to Lonely Girls, a podcast dedicated to examining, archiving, and applauding the loneliest girls in media and pop culture history. My name is Madeline Turner, and I am joined by my um, the esteemed patron of the arts, Lady Rebecca Botter. Hi. Hi, Maddie. How are you? I'm good. Hey. I'm I'm awake. Mm-hmm. Um for those listening, we are recording the podcast at a much earlier hour than we normally do. So I think it's just going to be like a different energy yeah. today. It's going to feel a little bit like NPR yeah. maybe and and less like Wait, let's both talk mm, call her let's, daddy. You know us. How everyone keeps <laughs> <laughs> mixing us up with call her daddy. Okay, yeah. wait, let's talk really close to the mic. Are you so ready? To talk. Hi. Yeah. Um Hey. Good Welcome morning. To... No, no, say it. Do it. Hi. This is the Lonely Girls Podcast. A podcast dedicated to examining, archiving, and applauding the loneliest girls in media and pop culture history. Good morning, Madeline. How are you? I'm being put to sleep right now by our voices. Wow. They're so relaxing. And we hope you're all pouring yourself a delicious cup of uh, tea. Stop, stop, I'm talking. And um... <laughs> can you imagine if podcast hosts or the an NPR radio hosts were like, oh, actually, um, see if you could just shut the fuck up. Sorry. I'm... Oh, editing it back, oh, I yeah. tell you to stop talking a lot. Maddie used to say, it's so funny. I. She used to cut me off a lot, and dude, I've listened back. You're getting so much better about it, but I don't, I don't interrupt you. I just tell you, like me, my turn. No, no, and and that's exactly what I need. <laughs> I real, I really appreciate it. I really, really, really need people to like tell me I to think shut we up. We take turns being the little sister, and it's very much like, mm-hmm. no, I'm wearing my dance recital dress. <laughs> <laughs> No, I'm wearing my tap shoes Everyone to the DMV. Everyone sit on the couch, <laughs> and I'm going to stand on the fireplace, <laughs> which I did used to do. Um, oh, uh, uh, do you doubt it? Who among us has not just stood on a fireplace mm-hmm. and tap danced for our family, our unenthused family? <laughs> How are you doing this morning, Rebecca? Um, I guess it's closer. No, it's not afternoon. No, it's, it's not. Still morning for I, um, I am so proud of Maddie because she was ready. I texted her. At like seven forty-five, and she texted me a pic of like she is ready, and I was mess. I was like running around. I'm like anxious right now, but then also I'm like, I'm drinking my second cup of coffee, and it's just mm. there's no method to the madness. Do you know there is just beauty and just like exceptional. Do you know what that's from, Maddie? Method to the madness. I don't. What what play is it from, Rebecca? <laughs> The, the least enthused. <laughs> it's from it's from Hamlet. Oh, wow! That's so the equivalent of me tap dancing on the fireplace, Maddie. <laughs> okay, let's let's okay. start with loneliest girl moment of the week. Yeah, let's, let's do it. Yeah, let's do our lonely girl moment okay. of the week. You should. Yeah, who went first last time? I can't. Oh, it remember. doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Why don't you go first? Okay. Um, so I'm pretty proud of myself, and Maddie also said she was proud of me, which is one of the goals. Um, but right. last week we did not have an app, 
because my computer just shut down. This episode yes. is dedicated to Very Smart Kate um, because Very, Very Smart, Smart Kate. Kate lent her computer to the arts, um, to this mm. pod. She's a patron. Oh, she's, she's a patron. patron and now she is our first friend of the podcast. Um, Mary <sighs> is our, like, saint saint of it. But yeah. she's our first friend of the pod. And yes. when the going to the Genius Bar is so vulnerable and oh. I have cried at the Genius Bar. And um, <laughs> I'm not wrong. Going to the Genius Bar is so vulnerable. It is. Be- You're so right. Continue. I want I please I've expand on this. I've actually talked to people at the Genius Bar and I was like freaking out a different time. And I was like, do they hire you based on your tech skills or your people skills? And he was like, that's a good question. He's like, it's all about people skills. Because, like, they can teach you how to just take things to the back. He's like, but they can't teach you how to deal with someone crying. He's like, I deal with someone crying every single day. Because it's, like, family memories or it's a lot of money. Yeah. And then also having, like, your laptop taken away. It, like, literally, my phone, by the way, they didn't fix the audio thing on my phone. They couldn't figure it out. Next time, it's fine. Um, but uh, I was like, what if they took away my phone and my computer? Like, what? It's honestly a little terrifying Terrible. how, like, dependent we are on our cell phones. And I, I think in a, in, in a world, you know, you wouldn't, like, you wouldn't, like, start losing oxygen immediately no. if someone took away your phone. But if you exist in sort of, like, the modern world, especially, like, the type of work, the type of jobs, the type, like, in order to maintain our livelihoods, yeah. we need these things. Yeah, I was, like, even if they – No wonder we're so anxious all the time. We're, like – Yeah, like, even if they would have taken away my phone for – two hours and they would have been like can you just walk around the mall I would have been like yeah I can but then I would have been dependent on walking up to people going what time is it what time is it and the passage of time is important so it is so I could have had a meltdown and Maddie has seen now that if someone is mad at me I lose my mind Mm. but like I handled it like a big kid and I kept my emotions together in my little therapist self and mm. I have noticed, guys, when you interact with uh, customer service people, is it like a little bit of gaslighting? Yes. But you just tell them you're the best. <laughs> and yeah. oh. you're the best. Like, I'm just going to like get this fixed. Like, oh my gosh, you're the best. Because then yeah. they're more likely to be like, well, I can't let her down. I'm the I can't let this girl down who thinks I'm the, I'm the best. best. It'll be like Santa isn't real. But anyways, I handled yeah. it very maturely and I now don't have my computer and forever y'all I am going to be grateful and I ordered like a Barbie bright Barbie pink screen protector and like keyboard protector because <gasps> I know it's going to give me dopamine and I'm like really excited. I love that yeah. that's actually like a really I think that is such a beautiful lonely girl mm-hmm. moment yeah and if you don't see how it is a lonely girl moment Think, That's think on you. about it a little bit more. Okay, so Maddie, what you got? My, my lonely girl moment um, is I always worry about when to introduce things that are precious to us on the podcast. 
Um, and there's something that is incredibly precious to you and I that I don't think we've really brought to um, our audience. Um, it's more like a feeling. Mm -hmm. It's more like an energy. Um, it also is um, a city in the state of Illinois. Illinois? Oh, yeah. Um, and if you don't, if you don't know what we're, what I'm talking about, um, that's Chicago. That's Chicago. And that's Chicago. I, I'm not going to expand on it any more than that, but this week I was out to, for drinks with, um, you know what? They're just, they're friends in real life, but not friends of the podcast yet. Um, my, when they listen, then they'll be friends with them. Um, with my manager and his wife, my manager, Alex, who I guess uh, technically is a friend of the pod. Yeah. Okay. Okay. And then, um, Alex's wife, Becca, um, we were out to drinks, um, and, uh, with some other people and it, it became very clear towards like the middle of us being um out for drinks that um becca and i did not want to be out of the house and we did not want to have to talk to anyone else besides one another so we um forced forced is the right word we forced everyone to immediately leave um, this fine dining establishment and just go back to Becca and Alex's place. And the big reason why we wanted to do this is because one of us said, jokingly, what if we just watched Chicago? And, <laughs> and it became something that started as a joke and then turned into something that if we didn't watch Chicago immediately, like within the next like hour, we were going to riot. Um, so we went back to Becca and Alex's house. Um, the the lovely, lovely people that we were also having drinks with came to the house too, were dragged along with, uh, with us. So we, we dragged <laughs> drag them back to the house they're completely unenthusiastic it doesn't matter we don't care um we put on chicago and immediately just spend like the next two hours absolutely dominating the entire evening's hangout with um how much we just love chicago and how beautiful Catherine zeta jones is um and um, I think I think there's really nothing more lonely, girl, than being out and about with people and deciding that instead of um, normal functional social interaction, you would like to sit on a couch and watch Chicago um, with your friend and then demand that everyone also watch Chicago. I I'm trying my darndest to get Maggie to watch bird, The Birdcage with me. Mad D oh. and I have talked about it enough that I'm going to try. 
but I make Maggie make wash a lot of things. Can I tell my tiny little story that I at Becca and Alex's yeah. house? I just it's such yeah. a lonely do you know what I'm gonna talk about? It's such a lonely girl yeah, moment absolutely. that um Alex for <laughs> one made some kind of like like cocktail and it was purple for Maddie's mm. birthday and had glitter in it. And I literally think about it. It was really beautiful. It was really beautiful. So anyways that's one he thing. He was very proud of oh, it. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I've like told Becca and I've told Maddie like tell him. I still think about it. Tell him I love I loved it so much. But um but like it was like a little birthday party and I had, you know, been from Atlanta. I was very tired. And so I just slept on their couch and I woke up to Mad D like tucking me in just on the couch as all of them are like <laughs> dancing and having a great time. We're we're just we're just partying. And then eventually Maddie was like, Do you do you just want to go lay down in Becca and Alex's room? And I was like, yeah. And then I like just went yeah. and I like woke up in there and I was like, this is, I'm just, didn't you have the, uh, their, their cat? cats just like, watched me sleep. I like woke up and I was like, <laughs> whoa, dude. And, um, I was like, this is so trippy. Like I watched the trailer for a movie like a few years ago and now I'm just like, sleeping in her bed i'm like life is life is life can move move up pretty quick <laughs> and if you don't pay attention you might just move. you might just wake up in a bed with cats staring at you and the, and you want to know what that is that's chicago that's chicago <laughs> so um yeah so anyways i think those are both really good and i love that i took yours and i was like me too me me no, no, that's, I think it, I think it expands on the Becca Alex and, experience. They, they do love to facilitate a lonely and, girl and moment. It's They're just, wonderful. Yeah, I think like they are like facilitating not lonely girl moments to then lead you into a moment where you can express yeah. your loneliness. Where your experience, yeah, exactly. Yeah. They really, they're really good. And that's, and that's why they're really good hosts, mm-hmm. you know? They're incredible they really hosts. They really are. Okay, let's dive in. So, speaking of, hosts. speaking of hosts. <laughs> Sometimes we host people in our parlors. We do. Um, sometimes you have two parlors, mm-hmm. and that's a big deal, apparently, in the world of the author that we're about to cover. Okay. Are we ready? Y'all, it's a long time coming, but we're talking about uh, our Lady Jane, Jane mm, Austen. Lady Jane. So to dive in, you know we love some context and some research. So this is, I think, I listened to this. Oh, Maddie, I was listening to this. We recorded this before, before Maddie and I really hung out in real life. And like, we were so comfortable together. We already found each other so delightful. Um, We really did. We're already in love. Okay. So, I listened to this, I think it was like 19 hours on Audible, and it's so good. Y'all should listen to it um, or read it. So, uh, what I'm about to tell you, it's almost all from Lucy Worsley's biography, Jane Austen at Home. And I listened to it in the car and made voice notes, so if anything is wrong, I'm sorry. Um, And I made notes of what I found particularly interesting and pertinent to the lonely girl experience and dialogue. Uh, Madeline? You like dates, so I'm gonna. I love famously. I love she loves dates. dates. I love going on them. I love knowing yes. them. I love um, the the dry. I love dried yes. plums. Um, 
<laughs> did Bates. I send you that one thing of yes I think I did from Love Island so they're like they're like you go up to a girl and you say do you yeah. like raisins and then they're like yes and they're like I they, what what wait I don't and get then it. he's like do you want to go on a date then? And all of them were like, I don't get it. And then the guy's laughing so hard. He's like, no, no, because you wouldn't give him no, 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 raisins you... on a date. <laughs> <laughs> we can't start talking about Love mm-hmm. Island or else we will not But stop. that's like one of the funniest things I have ever it's heard. So, it's so Okay, insane. so uh, Jane Austen was born in December 16th, 1775. She is the seventh of eight children and the second daughter of Reverend and Mrs. Austen. Jane's only sister is Cassandra, who is three years older, and they remained very close for all of Jane's life, and they were very rarely separated. And some of her most important letters we have today are to her sister. Uh, Jane says as a child, she was quite shy and she grew out of it. I, do you connect with that? I was like a really shy kid I was absolutely okay. not I was like hi it was your mom be my was friend. your mom kind of like Maddie stop talking to strangers no 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 my mom my mom was my mom was really shy when she was mm-hmm. younger um and had has always kind of had an issue not an issue but like has never really felt incredibly comfortable being extroverted Mm -hmm. so she would watch me go like I was like a little science experiment like she just couldn't understand like how I was just going up to anyone Mm -hmm. and saying hi I'm Maddie I like your shirt I like your toys let's play yeah do you want to be friends yeah yeah and I would be the kid just watching being like I wish I had friends and um I don't I do not know I do not know why uh my my shyness came later in life. When we'll we'll <laughs> dig into that later. Okay. Yeah. So um so as we were talking, actually tying it in, little sister syndrome. Um, she later kind of became more expressive. She had a lot of energy, and it was like, look at me, um, just like me sometimes. Um, I guess mm. I'm coming into my little sister younger. Uh, or as an older girl. Okay, in 1783, Cassandra, her sister, is sent away to school, which would be like, uh, not exactly boarding school. It's more of like a house that you board at. Boarding school sounds kind of mm. too fancy. It's Is it sort of like in A Little Princess? Like what they... Yes, but like less fancy from what I understand. Oh. Okay. Um, so... She went away to school, and Jane was way too young, but the idea of being sent, uh, of Cassandra and her being separated, she freaked out, but she was only seven, and it was really annoying, and you know she was, like, a really, really smart kid, and they're like, whatever, you can, you can go with her. Um, Okay, fine. Yeah, and then for a writer best known for writing interesting and textured female characters, she lived in a very male-dominated house, um, many exciting and interesting brothers who would go on to govern her whereabouts after her father's death. However, I really love that about her. It's something that I never realized because they talk a lot about Jane being, you know – you know, spoiler alert, guys, Jane died without ever getting married or even being in like an incredibly serious relationship. And so her being able to write really 
interesting male protagonists. I was always kind of confused by like, but I think it's probably because she's taking a lot from like all of the men. She's, she's surrounded by masculine energy and different male characters in her life. She was close with her brothers. And so I think sometimes like guys that grew up with sisters often are like better at interacting with girls. And I think she was like, a little like she liked boys but not like I like boys but like she was just like comfortable with them I think like knew how to categorize them in a platonic Mm -hmm. way and and that was like an I think a clear asset to her as uh as she socialized and also as being a writer but to tie it into how she wrote females so well even though there were only a lot of men is um, Cassandra and her cousin Eliza and her mother and her favorite nieces, Anne and Fanny, hear those names later, um, they go on to be major inspirations for her female heroines. And her cousin Eliza is, like, super interesting. She was married to a French noble, and he was killed in the French Revolution. And she was, like, a super-duper flirty. She was, like, always, like kind of like flirting with her male cousins when she would come Ooh, and, and hot. what's fun is she later went on to remarry Jane's brother Henry who was younger and he had been like in love with her his whole life and uh he uh Henry had been pining over her since he was a little boy and Jane and her mother never really got along and was probably an inspiration for some of her more annoying characters which there are a lot and her nieces influenced her work later with strong opinions and interesting love lives. And um, also Jane's, one of her brothers, George, um, was special needs and he was never, never lived in the house. And Eliza mm. had a child who was also, I believe, special needs or had a lot of medical issues. This was a long time ago when I listened to it. And Henry, one of the reasons she fell in love with Henry later is he really helped Aww. her out. Yeah, which is... I like, want to see that love story. I know. Story. Let's make it. Can someone can someone adapt yeah. that? It's really I cute. Think it, yeah, I think it's really beautiful. So um, Jane was born in a family of intellectuals, writers, and artists. Um, they had a lot of pride in being in Austin, and they loved to put on plays. And they just loved Ooh. conversations and being charming. And I think both of us just relate to being <laughs> yeah. with our families and just kind of like looking around and being like... Being like, look at us. We would be really... Uh, we're really interesting and um, people love us people would be so (laughs) interested to be here and uh the plays that the austins put on would really come to impact jane's books and so later the adaptations that have been made that's one of the reasons they're successful adaptations because they were written by a writer who wrote and performed plays as a child and so they Mm. translate really well into scripts and um uh and and so they read really well into scripts and then also screenplays. And some of her dialogue in her books, in the wording, was italicized to show where the reader should emphasize when performing out loud, which we know it happened a lot. Yes. And it was meant to be performed. Jane begins writing when she gets back from school in 1787. And I find the arguments of when she wrote stuff boring and what her minor works are also boring, so I don't care. Um, I also <laughs> find the road to publication boring and so I also am just not talking about it uh just know (laughs) 
I just don't like it. At some point, she wrote something, and then at another point, it got, it got published. Because it's like, oh, this person bought the rights, but they didn't put it out, but she couldn't afford to buy it back, and then her brother sent it to the blah, blah, blah. It's just a lot of, like, business. It's, like, it's just a lot of... It's uh, okay. okay. And All just right. know that her dad was a huge supporter of her writing and would let her read sexy books young because he was a Ooh. cool reverend. And then after his death, a bro- he wasn't like other reverends. He was a cool reverend. And, um, and after he died, uh, one of the brothers helped, and I don't even remember which one. Um, in 1789, the French Revolution begins. And this, I didn't like ever connect it. This has a huge impact on all of her works because there are only 13 years of Jane's 41 years that were not impacted or like not actively impacted by the war. Like, I mean, it still was, but. Yeah, like she basically, yeah, she basically lived the entire like French yes, revolution. Yes, and just. Not French Revolution, but yeah, the, you know yeah. what I'm saying. And just as she was old enough to come out, a lot of eligible men were sent away for war. And men mm. from the ages of 16 to 35, a.k.a. the only appropriate ages, were gone. And that's insane because she described she was described as attractive by many sources. And her singleness wasn't from being quiet and homely, as it is often described. There were just, like, less guys to choose from. And one neighbor described her as a teenager as the prettiest, silliest, most effective husband-hunting butterfly. Like, Ooh. What? That's so good. Ooh. I want to. I want to be called that. Um, Jix, uh, Jix, Jane's, Jix? Jane's six <laughs> main works come in groups of threes. Their Sense and Sensibility, Pride and Prejudice, and Northanger Abbey were written at her first home in Stevenson. And Sense and Sensibility mm. comes out around 1795, and the first of Jane's lovers now appears at the end of 1795 1796 um, in Tom Lefroy. AKA. Is this when she was in Stevenson? Yes, Stevenson. So okay. she was writing it at Stevenson, and once she leaves, the next kind of three start at the beginning. And this, so sorry, this is, so Tom Lefroy is at yes, Stevenson. Yes. And AKA James, James McAvoy. McAvoy. So uh, James McAvoy, <laughs> um, also we saw him in a play once. And um, that's okay, honestly. Let's talk about how many times there needs to be something for every time you see an actor not in a play, just attending a play. Attending a play. (laughs) He was in a play and um, he came out in tidy whities at one point juggling and on a giant Mm. unicycle. So imagine that, ladies. Um, so James McAvoy Thank you. Thank you for that. was visiting a family friend and he was apparently shy and she <laughs> would tease him. And it doesn't sound like the worst relationship because her first ever letter that we have found was actually to Cassandra and the second sentence was about Tom. So I think that's part of like why people hyper fixate on it. Um, what usually yeah. isn't mentioned because it doesn't encourage the like people don't talk about that letter. Well, so maybe I'm counter contradicting myself because it doesn't contribute to the the Jane Austen Anne Hathaway grand love story because she makes fun Mm. of him in her letters and this is either protecting her ego or it just wasn't as serious as historians want us to believe and I feel like knowing what I know like even in reading Pride and Mm -hmm. Prejudice and just watching the way that her more spicy heroines interact with the men in their lives 
I feel like her even mentioning this guy in a letter um, and being like, oh, so there's this guy. Yeah. He's got a stupid yeah, coat. Yeah, he's got an ugly. And his face is a little, his face is a little funny. Um, and my stomach does butterflies whenever he's around, but like, God, he's uh, And I think also <laughs> we look back on people, uh, on guys that like, we used to like be like, Ugh, I hate their flaws. And then later you're like, oh my gosh, I hate their flaws so much. I hate them so yes. much. So, I mean, it's probably, it's probably like, ooh, making fun of it, but secretly like being into the fact you see ooh. them. Okay, so a lot yeah. has been put into this relationship and we're just never going to really know because it is said though his family was actually, ups- it's like, it, it's like the movie. They were genuinely upset for um, him getting her hopes up. It's like he yeah. never was going to marry her because – I and we understand this as big sisters. He was the oldest of like 11 kids and he always yeah. knew he had to marry rich. It's like not even like lost love. He just like couldn't do it. Lives were – Yeah, he, he knew. just knew. I wonder – when did she write Sense and Sensibility? I think it was 1795. He, so I think it's... Because this feels like a very... Um, Edmund? Edward. No, 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 no. Um, oh, uh, not... Bi- Willoughby. Willoughby. It does feel very Willoughby. It, it feels very Willoughby. Yeah, that's so true. Yes, 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 yes. Um, because, okay, so... I probably should have looked into that, but y'all do it. Um, no, wait. So, yeah, you guys do the yeah, research. Ew. What, what, what I do you think we are? I have the longest note written about this, so give me a break. Um, so he actually went on to be the chief justice of Ireland. And from his letters to his wife later on, he seemed like really stuffy and old fashioned. And I think Jane dodged a bullet because in later in her life, Jane was excused from household work to write. And that wouldn't have happened with a very traditional husband like Lefroy. He was like, oh, be a good mm. little wife and like take care of the house. And I think she would have hated that. And actually later when she lived in pretty much a commune of women, they were like, great, Mm. we're going to pick up the slack for you, Jane, because we know your writing is really important. Even before she was making a big income, like these women like supported her and people probably focus on him a lot because Pride and Prejudice, I believe the writing of it follows his departure and it just, it Mm. leaves a lot to the imagination. And then 1798 is Northanger Abbey. So Mm. it's like, that's going on. In, uh, 18... In 1801, they leave their beloved Stevenson, so like their charming ramshackle mm. home, and they move to mm. Bath. And this is devastating for Jane. Boo. Yeah, boo. Jane Austen hates Bath so much. He hates much. Bath. She hates I did, Bath. I didn't know anything about the UK uh-huh. um, for a very long time, but like all, I knew Bath was not a fun place for, for um, our girl Jane. A, a young lady to be. No. Yeah. Um, and also, guys, I did. It was actually Easter and it was raining. And I went to the Jane Austen Center and I was like, this mm. is incorrect. This is incorrect. This is incorrect. And I was like such a little like, just, I was the worst. And they had like. A, you were being a real Jane. I was being a real Jane. Whatever. I kept it to myself. Um, in 1801, <laughs> they leave their beloved Stevenson. Okay. And. Bath was very fashionable about three years prior, and it was all about health cleanses and the water, which, like, the water is, like, sex. I don't understand. And it was, like, the place to be. But, like, all fashionable places 
once everyone knows it's cool, it isn't cool anymore. It's not cool anymore. So by the time Jane moved there at like 25, it was now a place for people who were sick and to get well or like spinsters. So like sick old people and all the cool hot people had moved on somewhere else so they had moved her to kind of like the least likely place she was ever going to meet someone and if you're nice and cool your chances are pretty high and she was reasonably attractive but fate seemed to continually put her in places where her chances were really low of finding someone and in her 20s Mm. both jane and cassandra just started like dressing like older women as if like already resigned to her fate maybe even to like discourage like we're gonna we're we're actually we're buying into yeah. it. Um, we've we've decided that this is, more, this fun is more fun than going on terrible dates with terrible terrible yeah. men. And then uh, Jane's father dies in 1805. This is important, boo. boo, because it now puts her and her sister and her mother's fate strictly into the generosity of her brothers. Which this reflects the theme in her earlier books and then throughout. And so. No, it had not happened yet, but it was obviously a huge concern even before her father's death. And her brothers were nice, but she had no power in when she got to, like, go anywhere and etc. So Sense and Sensibility was published in 1811 by the author uh, called By a Lady. And 1813 Mm. published Pride and Prejudice to more acclaim. Sense and Sensibility was kind of like... Uh, okay. okay. So, anyways, it's not that famous people were in it, but you get it. Um, 1814, Mansfield <laughs> Park. 1816, oh, Mansfield. One, two, three. I love that you were like, okay, so anyways, Mansfield Park. Um, moving on. <laughs> um, 1816, and in 1816, she was able to buy back the rights of Northanger Abbey for 10 pounds. That's the last I'll talk about publishing. Um, whatever. She now becomes ill as she writes Persuasion. Sad. When she was 27, she turned down a proposal from a family friend, and the engagement lasted literally one night, and she wakes up in the morning, and she just calls it off. And Persuasion is the story of a woman who gets the guy back at 27, and there's a lot of speculation on whether this is the same indication of regret, Um, but this guy that had proposed to Jane was kind of annoying, so maybe not. And however, Cassandra has made a note in her copy of the book that talks about the regrets of the decisions made in haste and poorly advised in youth. So maybe Mm. it's about that, or maybe it's about something completely different because, uh, Cassandra was, her Tom died around the same time as Tom Lefroy. Um, so when they find they were separated, all the Tom shit went down, came back together and like grieved together. So how did, what happened to Cassandra's fiance? No, no, Son. I think he like went to war. Oh, okay, okay. Oh, well, and that also sort of, uh, it's, I'm surprised that that never really showed up in Jade, like none of the men that she was ever interested in in terms of her main protagonist, mm-hmm. were ever, like, in danger, if yeah. that makes sense. In danger of yeah, dying. that's a really good point. It's, yeah, you never really hear of, like, he's gone. Ah. Like, no one ever really, like, who, no one dies in Jane Austen books. I mean, yeah, like, that girl in Persuasion that leaves that one guy really sad died. 
people yeah, die but, like, but literally you, people almost die in jane austen novels all which the is time hot. but no one ever actually which is like so hot but like no one that you care about ever dies yeah you do hear on like the periphery like uh people that they're like oh this one character who we have seen um Mm-hmm. he's sad because this person already died like before the book yeah. started like like colonel colonel brandon yes, like that's who his, i was thinking his of. lover died yes. and then yeah and that's just interesting when i think it's interesting because jane austen's life was filled with a lot of like death and yeah. tragedy yeah but we don't see anyone actively die i don't think hit us up yeah. in the comments um, so because all leads all roads lead back to persuasion in the two thousand oh, and film yeah. two thousand and seven film, you see actually the scrapped ending that uh Jane didn't even like. And then they were like, Oh, we're putting it on. Guys, we used to pretend Can you can you give can you give a little synopsis of the alternate mm-hmm. ending? Because like I don't really know I don't know what that oh. is. I don't remember the 2007 okay. version. Okay, uh, guys, we used to pretend like both are equal. Yay! And you know what? Both of us are now like 1995 is better. So in the scrapped oh, no, version, better. Captain Wentworth inquires to Anne. He's like, "Hey, by the way, that I'm asking you because my sister and brother-in-law need to know since you are now engaged and." They're probably gonna. Uh, they they're gonna have to leave the house that they're renting from y'all, right? Um, and Anne and this new engaged husband of hers, they'll be moving in, right? And Anne is like, oh, uh, n- no, you will not need to leave because I'm not engaged. And then it's like, <gasps> what? But the superior ending is in the 1995 adaptation because Captain Wentworth mm. is writing a letter confessing his deep admiration, but he's just like in the back, just like scribbling a note, scribbling a you note. You want to know what's like, you want to know what's like really lonely mm. girl? Just writing a letter to someone while they're in the same room yeah. as you. Yeah. And it's then, hot. and then very like, deliberately putting the letter in a place where they will see it and then leaving because it's like he gets like so shy boy and he's so nervous and very lonely girl that he just like runs away and then they later they reunite on the street and there's like all this like sexy tension sexy tension because she reads it and then she finds him and then immediately a guy walks up and they're both like oh my gosh 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 we both we both know this (sighs) thing that that we can't talk about because there's a person right here jane 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 austen is really good at crafting those really specific moments where two people have a like a mind connection where they know mm-hmm. something but they're in a space where they can't talk about it which i imagine was like a very big a common thread a common tension in her life because anyone that she had any sort of sexual tension with she would never be left no. alone with and do you know that when they were like uh like seven years ago they used to like hang out behind the shed you know like they yeah. were and now both of them are like oh my gosh i can't wait to be alone with you but i have to stand there we have to talk but about I have to stand like here. horses and it's just 
turning me on. I have to inquire about your mother. (laughs) And, um, and so it's just better. And okay. So now very sad. Jane dies and she passed. Boo. Oh, she passed away. She's literally dead. Okay. (laughs) And after an increasingly worsening physical state, and there is a lock of her hair that has been tested that shows uh, traces of arsenic. And that's, (laughs) I wrote down that may not have been what killed her because modern medicine is beginning to use it to treat stuff, you know, stuff. But obviously too much is bad. Yeah. I don't know if you guys know this, but Rebecca is a scientist. <laughs> she has a um, a PhD in a biochemistry, yeah. so that and she's just bringing a little bit of that to the podcast like, for us. Thank you, Re- yeah, thank you, Rebecca. Like, maybe arsenic, maybe not. Anyways, um, and so she never got to put the final touches on persuasion in Northanger Abbey, and Cassandra put them together uh, posthumous. How do you say that? Post? I do not post- know. I think it's posthumously. That's right. Posthumously. <laughs> in eighteen seventeen, she <laughs> dies, and in her will, Jane dies, and everything is left to Cassandra. And uh, what's Yay. funny is Cassandra's advice, like, was like everything, everything, and and everything to Jane, everything to Jane, except she wouldn't take her advice on uh, writing in her work. Mm. Sometimes she did. Um, it's like, I trust your opinion and I haven't never not taken your advice, but like, I eventually just like probably won't. Um, I, I, I look forward to the day where I say no, you, you actively do not. Take oh, and advice. I won't like, I'm not even going to be like, what do I do? <laughs> okay. So you're going to be like, that was a real, no. So, um, <laughs> guys, famously, I lived in London Rebecca, <laughs> did you live in London? Yes, I and before I, I, that was so close to the microphone. I actually hurt my own ears in the Okay, well, be careful. Um, <laughs> ouch. ouch. <laughs> so, so you I did. In and before that, I actually did a term at Oxford, and um, also yeah. a, a like a brain <laughs> a, a term. I did a term at. Oxford. I'm obviously gonna say the right word, and it like. Yeah, but also, like, a brain specialist has told me I'm, like, a miracle that I've accomplished anything because of how, like, slow my brain is. So take that yeah, what you will. You eat – I mean, you even have a PhD in I <laughs> Exactly. Um, but when <laughs> I was there, they took us on a uh, a tour of West uh, – what is it? Of Winchester Cathedral. And a uh, fun little story for y'all. When I was touring Winchester, there are like all these like pink armoires with like the the profiles of like all of her characters and being like, oh yay, we love Jane and we're so proud of her. And the tour guide told us, they were like, do you want to know something? Jane, that there's like a monument to her in the church that they were like, she's not there. She's under the radiator like right over there and it's just like a radiator next to some pews and like towards the middle of the church and jane austen's just she's just chilling she's under the radiator and i just thought that was so funny and i think jane would have been like she would have seen all these pink fluffy stuff and she would have been like what i'm gonna go lay under this radiator you know i think she would have loved it i think she would have i think she would have been very tickled by 
the irony. Yeah, I love it. It's so ironic. Cheeky. But um, her family went on to write biographies and blah, blah, blah about her. And one of her nephews wrote a book. And this is where I think, like, the public starts going off. Like, in the wrong direction. I think it was well-meaning. Yeah. But um, he, one of her nephews wrote a book about her just being pleasant and meek and quiet. And she just wrote these to entertain her family. She doesn't want fame and acclaim. And I think he was just trying to be nice because... Like, if if he was, like, no, she was, like, really ambitious, it would have made her look bad. But it led to a lot of confusion about what she was really like. And upon investigation, just her letters, it's obvious she wasn't that way. And this is, like, one of my favorite sections. The only real portrait that we have of her was by her sister, Cassandra. And, um... Where she looks so... So she bad. does. I always thought because I didn't know that Cassandra was the one who authored mm-hmm. or pe- penned this portrait, and I always thought whoever did that must have like really not liked Jane no. Austen. But I I love that her sister yeah. did it because I literally will like will text. Like, my family group chat, like, a picture of, like, a trash can or, like, an ugly bird. (laughs) And I'll be like, this is you. This is what you look like. (laughs) This is what you look like. And I feel like if I was hanging out with, like, let's say very smart Kate and Kate, like, has, like, a cute little martini in her hand and I'm like, ooh, girl, yes, yes, yes. Let me take a picture of you, very smart Kate. And that would be awesome but if mary was sitting there and she's like hey take a picture of me and just like take a shit picture and uh and then i would or it would be like it would it would be like you take um when someone you ask someone to take a picture of you and then you just take a bunch of selfies like that's what that's basically what Cassandra Yeah, you doing. know if someone went to visit Jane and they were like, can I paint you? They would have taken a pretty picture or painted a pretty picture. Yeah. And Cassandra was like, I, I don't know. So it's just really funny. And many family members have said it's a, like a really bad picture of her. And Cassandra was actually a really talented artist and she just did a uniquely shit job on this one. And there's also, just to show you that Cassandra is talented, there's a beautiful picture she also did, but Jane's back was to like the viewer. And the skill... We'll share both of them on on Instagram so you guys it's can see. It's just so funny. So go, go check, go check that out. And the skill shown in like this other picture just shows that like maybe Cassandra was like drunk or high and when she was painting Jane's face and because Jane just looks like really dumpy and like mean and uh she looks really iron deficient just like (laughs) I just think like as a sister it's just funny like Mary has Mary has had to hand the picture back and she's like no try and I can take a good picture she's like oh do it again again." and then I'm like okay fine let's take a hot picture and um so anyways also Jane um famously is 5'7 just like Maddie and she was just yeah and she was described as very thin (laughs) and very lively and um Jane made in her life as much money as a clerk made in six months 
Dang. And so guys, wow. let's, so let's see. That's Jane's life. And I think that's Jane's in like life. 10-ish minutes, we can sum up why does Jane appeal to lonely girls? And then was Jane a lonely girl? Mike drop. Okay. Mike drop. I think Jane Austen appeals to lonely girls because she captures that really perfect balance between someone who is listening and taking in information and then actively participating in the world. Like, and she is able to capture the energy of lonely girls who, who you, you, you can't observe the world in that way unless you have a, a feeling of alienation yeah. with it. She's an observer. And I think, like, mm. she was absurd. She was, like, not just talking to Eliza, like, oh, my gosh, I'm so sorry your husband died. She's also absorbing, like, why are you feeling this way? Why are you later going to make this decision to marry my brother Henry? And she's soaking it all in. And I think it just shows she reuses names of characters over and over again. And I think it's just so clear that she knew she had this, like, tapestry of interesting people in her life. She was like, who should this character be named? I don't know. Like, Jane? Um. One thing that I found really fascinating in and, and having it, like, recontextualized mm-hmm. in this way is... So, Jane Austen... So, Jane Austen created something essentially in the literary world that they describe as free indirect discourse mm-hmm. where it is uh i guess the you know the 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 18th century equivalent or the 17th century equivalent to like mumblecore um like almost the way that like noah Baumbach writes mm-hmm. a script what Jane Austen is able to do that I think we take for granted is capture the way that people speak in a way that is so natural and so um, for the time was so uncommon and so that was one of the reasons why people loved her book so much is because they had this natural sort of um, really intimate like textured funny way of capturing the way that real people speak like as if you would put a recorder in a room and listen back to it and that's how she would write the dialogue and for the time like being able to record someone's voice or record any sort of sound and listen back to it was not possible and so what Jane Austen was doing was observing and like archiving and cataloging and capturing nuance in the way that people speak Mm -hmm. like capturing specific capturing what someone says when that's not what they're really Mm -hmm. saying like that's really really challenging to do and to be able to do it all from recollection all from memory all from like embodying characters probably saying things out loud Mm -hmm probably practicing dialogue, um, especially with her, you know, sort of history of plays, It makes so much sense. 
It makes a ton also, of sense. Also, anyone that likes doing plays is a lonely girl. I'm sorry. Oh my plays. gosh! If you've ever, if you've ever felt the desire to be in a play, to be in, to be in a play, I'm sorry, you're a lonely girl. Um, I think one thing that was kind of coming to mind, and we talked about this uh, with Francis uh, Hodgkins Burnett. is um Mm -hmm. how important it is that as her life goes on i think people don't just go they'll go i love jane austen my favorite is and Mm -hmm. people just love it's like she is kind of this present observer in all of her books like jane is one of those writers who is so integral to her books like she is in these rooms with them and I think as her journey goes on it's almost like you can grow with Jane because Sense and Sensibility it's like we all want those like the love and the feeling and oh my gosh Mm. like he's a he's a bad boy and oh wait I found a nice boy (laughs) you know and it's like a nice rich boy a nice rich boy and like we hated each other and now we love each Mm. other and yeah. um and I think like it's these wish fulfillments that weren't presented in a book of manners because books of manners were telling girls how to behave. And I think Jane Austen mm. characters always within the confines of society, because also they don't just they're not unlike the like new persuasion who are like, I'm gonna do my own thing. Like they still were very <laughs> no. real in the time, and even in 2022, we still live in the confines of cer- certain, even just nervousness. Yes. Like neither one of us like are gonna text our crush and just be like, "I, I really, no. really like you." I really, yeah, and like uh, the just the the feeling of uh, of anxiety mm-hmm. and absurd absurdism in in interacting with human yeah, beings and I, I think as her books go on i guess we're really deep because we've always liked persuasion but like oh my the gosh. groundedness of persuasion oh. is kind of the final chapter in yeah. wish fulfillment where both of us are kind of like at the age where jane austen's characters were officially going to die alone and um yeah. but i think like there still is Hi, Maddie. Um, <laughs> Hi, Rebecca. <laughs> um, uh, we can always just Jane and Cassandra, you know? Yeah, honestly, let's just dress like <laughs> old ladies and and draw really shitty portraits of one another. <laughs> I'm a really bad artist. This is you. <laughs> it's just a dead rat. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and um, But anyways, I just think, like, it's still there's there's almost like a fantasy for a woman at every age and i think the anne elliott fantasy can still be true for someone in her 50s her 60s uh, onward and onward i i i think i'm sad i'm sad that jane austen had such a short career Mm -hmm. life or had such a short life because i think it would have been really fascinating to see the way that she interpreted reality for, as she got older as she got older and older and older like even being like being such an involved mm-hmm. aunt aunt, aunt. <laughs> I almost but said I, like and and being able to observe the world with more and more wisdom I that I like it makes me sad that we'll never get those books because I think they would have been really 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 
and, good. And I think, like, I feel like Emma and then also these cousins of Anne, Louisa and so-and-so, I think, like, those were kind of guidebooks for her cousins who had very, like, high spirits and high tempers and they were always, like, interfering with stuff. And I feel like she would have written books that would have kind of been guidebooks for younger people on how to handle things. Mm. And also that would have been a time where people were going to, young people were not going to be so weighed down by the French Revolution. And I think they, like, no. would have been, like, some, I you know... Jane gave some really good advice. Um, and so I think she was, she was auntie. She was auntie yeah, to everyone. And like, so I, I, I think that I think Jane Austen appeals to the lonely girl moving into our next point, because I think Jane Austen is a lonely yeah. girl. And I think, I think, yeah, Jane was a lonely girl. I think she goes through a lot of steps of, actualization on the road to being a lonely girl like she started off really shy mm-hmm. and she did plays and then and then she and did then theater she did theater and then like she processed her emotions through making things and uh famously she was good at it and uh because yeah. sometimes people express things and they're not particularly good at oh no that's a separate conversation that's a totally separate conversation. Like, but I also, I think they're, her doing something that was so different for the time, I think she was able to do it because of how little anyone would take her seriously. Mm-hmm. And so the stakes, I think, they're just, like, there were stakes there, but there also weren't. Mm-hmm. And so she was in a really interesting position where she had to be so confident in what she was writing and the value of what she was creating um, that it was worth being published, that it was worth people seeing. But also, she didn't really have anyone, I mean, telling her that she couldn't do it because she was like a woman, sure. But I she also got the benefit of no one taking her seriously. So no one was going to critique her that mm-hmm. seriously and then ended up creating a, the blueprint for how we write modern love stories, like love stories and, and comedy, yeah. like r- really specific, like perspective driven yeah. comedy. And yeah, I think also I just think reading her her story I think just being so grateful for the people in her life because like so many people sounded like I was about to cry I was just about to burp um (laughs) Rebecca's like weeping uh, right now (laughs) but um just that like so many people (laughs) believed in her and I think like as Maddie and I were talking about just like how awesome are girls Girls are like so girls dope. Are the like, best. Girls are the best. Girls are the best. And I think Jane loved Jane was a girl's yes. girl. You know? Do you think Jane do you was think you can be a lonely girl and not be a girl's girl? What do you think? I oh, I think you absolutely can. And I think it's a very specific um like Jane, well It's hmm. very naughty. I think 
Sometimes our loneliness can make us put the wrong people as the enemy. And for some people, the enemy is other women. I do think it's quite admirable that we glossed over this a little bit, but like Jane's relationship with her mother, mm-hmm. like yes. the mothers in Jane Austen novels are either horrible or not. Yeah. There. Even in, I was thinking about Sense and Sensibility. She just like doesn't exist. She just, she just cries. She's like oh, hopeless. No. And, uh, She's just, she's hopeless. They're either hopeless or annoying or they're dead. I think, um, yeah, fun, fun fact. Also, y'all, you have to read Emma Thompson's diaries that she wrote during the making of Sense and Sensibility. It's absolutely one of my favorite things of all time. Line is something along the lines of, she just found out that Hugh Grant was like caught famously with like a sex worker in a hotel right after he finished filming and she's just like just ate like a big like sandwich or something had a cigarette which she wasn't supposed to um she was trying to give up smoking and the last line is just i am a slut and just like it's one of the best sentences i've ever read um so anyways i think We relate to Lonely Girls. I think Lonely Girls have to interpret her work, a.k.a. Emma Thompson. Maybe isn't a Lonely Girl, maybe a cool girl, but just, like, gets her and is a girl's... Oh, Emma Thompson, you know, is a girl's girl. Um, Emma Thompson is a girl's girl. Yeah, and so we just are so grateful to Jane. Anything... We're grateful to Jane, and we're grateful to the girls in Jane's life. And the boys. The boys, like, if it wasn't for her dad letting her read, like, sexy little books when she was younger. Yeah. And the all, I mean, and and her dad was clearly a girl's girl. He was a girl dad. He was definitely a girl dad. A girl dad. dad. You know, like, Jane was, like, losing her mind at seven, just being like, I have to be with Cassandra. And her mom was like, stop being ridiculous. And the dad's like. She's like. The dad's like, just let her, let her go. Just let her go. Just yeah, let her go. Let her go. Oh, it's a... It's okay, a, so we're wrapping it up. Anything else, babes? We're wrapping it up. I just... Hold on. This is what happens when we record in the morning. You're doing great, honestly. No, you're doing great. Um, I want to say thank you to everyone for listening, loving... Um, we, if you're like desperate for more Jane Austen content, we do have an episode where we talk about specifically the 2022 adaptation of persuasion, um, and our thoughts and feelings about it. We talk a lot about Jane Austen in that Mm -hmm. episode. And then if you are like, oh my gosh, I listened to that and I literally will die if I don't get more Jane Austen content specifically from the Lonely Girls podcast. We do have uh, an episode coming out next week where we will be discussing the literary canon of Jane Austen and the characters within the novels and how they are lonely, not lonely, maybe. Who's to say? Okay. All right, everybody. Stay lonely, but not alone. Bye, guys.